name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. It's a big surprise today that we have John chapter 20. The same reading we have every second Sunday of Easter. Might be a big surprise, because this actually is a decent crowd here today. As I say, oftentimes... Oftentimes, it's sometimes it feels like all the all the Episcopalians are still hiding in their houses for fear of the Jews or something uh, after Easter, trying to mimic what's happening in this passage. But um, we always read this passage the second Sunday after Easter because it's this is the day that it is, right? So I mean, the, the, at least the second half of the passage, the first half of the passage, is later on in the day. On, on Easter, when the disciples are all hiding, and Jesus passes through and says, Peace be with you, um, and shows them his hands and his, and his side, and, and then breathes on them um, to receive the Holy Spirit, which is sort of the John's Pentecost version, so you get everything shoved into one little... John, if you haven't realized, as we've been reading throughout all of Lent, John's way more interested in theology than he is chronology and other things. He wants you to get the whole the whole story and, and understanding. And so everything that we've been doing this this past year, or this past Lent, rather, all these all these conversations and um, accounts and events sort of culminate and now lead up to this this great event here today as the resurrected Jesus appears to his disciples, fills them with the Holy Spirit, um, answering the promise that he made that Monday, Thursday night after he washed his disciples' feet and said, I have to leave you. If I don't leave you, then the counselor cannot come to you, you know, so you'll, you'll be with me always to the end of the ages. And answering that, that, pass, that, um, that promise of bringing forth living water um, to the Samaritan woman, and really to everyone, right, who seeks it. If you would have known who asks you, I would give you living water. And all who receive this living water will have this new life. I'm have it to the full, and it won't matter where you worship God, neither on this mountain or in that mountain, but wherever you are, there you can worship God, because the Spirit of God is upon you. And this is the answer to these, these promises that, that's happening on this day, Except then Thomas wasn't there. So the disciples tell Thomas, we saw the Lord, and Thomas says, phooey, right, really. He's, just, he's sort of just probably a little pouty that he wasn't there. But um, whatever it is, he says he doesn't believe. Um, or maybe Thomas already knows the ramifications of what it is, as we'll look at it in a minute. Um, Jesus' presence. And so in any case, Thomas, you know, Thomas makes a, that pronouncement. Unless I put my finger in his in the nails, marks, and my hand inside, I won't believe. And so then a week later comes, which a week later then is today, right? That's where we are, today. A week later, today, um, Jesus appears again. And this time, Thomas is there. Thomas has probably been there every day since, in all reality, right? He's been there every day, waiting, and, and Jesus appears and 
singles him out uh, immediately and says, um, you know, come here, stick your hand, stick your fingers in the hair and stick your hand by my side, see it's me. And Thomas proclaims, my Lord and my God. And so, and so, and so maybe Thomas is the, is the first, what it seems anyway, to understand what the resurrection really means, which is, if Jesus is really raised from the dead, if God has delivered him to life, then this isn't just another amazing, this isn't a Lazarus effect. This is something more than that. My Lord and my God, that this indeed God incarnate who's come among us, who's come to be with us, and he begins to worship. Right? And so, so now we have um, maybe at the very least an understanding of some of Thomas's doubt. That is, if Jesus were alive, what that really means is that God has come to us, and that God has died for us, and that God is risen and stands among us, and God fills us with God's Spirit. And indeed, this is what this is. And so it's this confession, the same confession where we may not get to touch his hands, his side, nor follow where he trod, but in his cross we rejoice and cry, my Lord, my God, we too can cry, my Lord, my God, which is exactly what Jesus says, right? Jesus says to Thomas, you've seen, therefore you believe. Blessed are those who have not seen, yet still believe, which is you, right, and me. This is the blessing for the church. Blessed are all those who continue to believe and trust, yet they have not seen. But they still have encountered the living God still believe in God. And all this belief that we have, we've had belief in all of these, all of these passages today. Believe here, and, and the belief that was in First Peter, and I think in Acts as well. As we, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, this belief um, really means to entrust, right, to love, to really, to really give oneself over to that's not just a, a mental belief like I believe in God, like the creed, we believe in one God, Father the Almighty, creator, and, and sort of listing sort of like a like a um, a triangle proof. Right? This is this is we believe in who God is. We believe in Jesus who has come. So we believe in the power of the resurrection, which has now transformed our lives. And this is really how John's Gospel ends. I know if, you, if you're following along, you see there's a whole other chapter. The presiding bishop was very funny the other day. He said, there's a good reason there's another chapter in John's Gospel, even though the book is ending, because John was a preacher. And like lots of preachers, they say, they wrap it up and they say, wait, I have one more point. Um, I have one more point, which I thought was very clever. Um, because in reality, that is, the, the, this book, the purpose of this book, 
Now Jesus did many other signs in, presence, in, in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believing in him you may have life in his name. That indeed, the power of the resurrection of Jesus, so all of the things, and, and for us in, in year A, this is better than in year B and year C, really, because we've, we really have traveled with with um, you know, through the book of John, we have traveled through the encounters with Nicodemus and the and the Samaritan woman at the well, and the man born blind, and and Lazarus being risen, and the foot washing, and um, Judas betraying Jesus, and all of those things leading up to the cross and the resurrection, all of the signs and the wonders the events that have, that have culminated in the glory of, of all of the things that Jesus was putting forth and challenging to be reborn, to seek living water, to have your eyes opened, to understand resurrection is all of these, these invitations um, come to this point where we can have new and transformed and empowered lives, living into the resurrection, proclaiming the glory of God. Not that it doesn't come without doubt, because I think that's one of the great things about Thomas is, is that doubt's okay to begin with. Especially if doubt is truly seeking an understanding that, that to trust and to believe fully means a radical departure from what's going on right now. Right? Something, something catastrophic has taken place in our lives and oftentimes we think of catastrophic being a negative, but it doesn't have to be a negative, right? It can be something, it just means it's something that sort of, it's your life is going this way, and all of a sudden something catastrophic has happened, and now your life is going this way. The resurrection is a catastrophic event for, for the world, where our life was going in one direction, where we were, we were entrusting somebody like David, Somebody who is going to be the king, the Messiah, to, to deliver us and rescue us from Rome and, and give us new wealth and you know, new comfort and overthrow the powers that be. And instead, the resurrection completely changes dramatically the way we see Messiah. The way we see God, the way we see forgiveness, receive the Holy Spirit. That's the first thing the disciples see. Receive the Holy Spirit and forgive those who are to be forgiven. Right? Forgive those. And in, in many ways, who can forgive God? This goes back to the beginning, right? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And so now, the power of the church 
is bestowed upon you. Sometimes we think of this as only being only being priests, because that's sort of the trickle-down effect of all this. But it's not really, right? It's, it's, it's an empowerment for all of you. You can have the power to forgive sins or retain them. The choice is sort of yours, right? There's a new reality that's come upon your life. How are you going to live? Are you going to live the way that Jesus invites us to live, to love one another as Jesus has loved us? A new command, I give you, love one another as I have loved you. Are you going to forgive the way that you've been forgiven? Are you going to retain the sins? Right? It's an invitation to pour out an abundance of forgiveness upon the world and the way that you've been forgiven, that I have been forgiven. And that forgiveness extends not just to the people you like, but the people that drive you crazy. Right? Not just to the people that you are working to, to heal, but for the ones even that continue to put them in places where they're not healed. The reality of the forgiveness of Jesus is that it's sort of all-encompassing. This is what Jesus invites us when he says, love one another as I have loved you. That means not only are we loving our neighbor, not only are we loving our friends, we're loving everyone. We're extending the forgiven grace and glory and living resurrected lives. And the reason we can do this is because we know that life here is not the be-all and end-all, right? This is only but a glimpse of the new kingdom of God which is bursting forth into the world. It's why people like Martin Luther King Jr. are able to, to live powerfully um, where, whereas, whereas those who just sort of want to, to, to have their faith in humanity um, get frustrated. And leave on. If you think humans are just getting better and better and better and trust in humanity, you know, that wears out. Knowing that people are sinners and evil, but the kingdom of God reigns, gives you a new power, a new peace, a new hope. That even when it may cost your life, you may know there's more to life even than just this life. This is the invitation of what it means to truly believe my Lord and my God that our lives are transformed <coughs> dramatically and changed fully and totally by this catastrophic reality of the cross and resurrection. We can cry out, indeed, Lord, help my unbelief, like the one person. I believe, help my unbelief. Like Thomas, my Lord and my God, we can doubt. 
We can struggle. But ultimately, we're called to believe and to trust and to love and to embrace the risen Christ and that resurrected life that's forever changed the world. Amen.